0: I have friends who are comedians where I'm like, I'm never going to be that good, but that just makes me appreciate what they do mm-hmm. that much more. But then I can also say, well, I do this better than that person. Right. But it's not in a competitive way. Right. It's just we're all different people. Mm-hmm. No two snowflakes are alike, as they say. <laughs> snowflakes? But that doesn't mean that right. they can all work together to do the same thing cancel school, <laughs> which is ideal. <laughs> Hey you, welcome to episode 76 Coping on the Couch with Courtney and Brian Courtney Kelly, a mental health therapist I, Brian Mulhern, a long time patient and what a tragic week it has been, Courtney as we think about everybody especially all the families who've been affected via the whole Astro World tragedy, Travis Scott, that concert many people essentially crushed to death, nine already have passed as we go to tape here, many many more were hurt and in addition to this, I also had something else happen in my life with a very close friend of mine, and he won't mind me mentioning this. Brendan Kirby, if you are a local person, he's a local TV personality on the road show, lost his dad very unexpectedly and very suddenly. He's really been battling that emotionally. Mm -hmm. And I think about these families at Astro World. it's the same thing. I mean, there was a 14-year-old kid going to have fun at a concert. You never expect that something like that is going to happen. Courtney, I can only imagine you've run into this numerous times where somebody just comes into your office absolutely beside themselves, Mm -hmm. not prepared for this at all. And we talk about that a lot of times too. We talked about it last week, how people use productive pessimism to try to ready themselves for the worst. But if you don't see it coming, I've been there. I know what it can do to people. I just wonder how you handle that sort of thing.
1: It's so difficult. The thing is grieving and loss is already so devastating. And then when you add that component, it can be traumatic loss when it comes out of nowhere. Right. Also, there's, so many ways that we lose people in a traumatic way. So that can be also traumatic for people. So there's all these layers. And I guess that's the thing is really to understand that there is nothing wrong with getting help around that because it is complicated. There can be a lot of complex grieving going on with this. And so it's something to remember that it's hard enough to lose someone, especially if there's someone who's been sick and you kind of can prepare yourself that you expect that this is happening. That's so difficult. But adding that surprise component to it when you are just, blindsided. It can leave you in shock.
0: Not only is there nothing wrong with it, I would say it is critical and Mm -hmm. it is crucial. That is not something you should try to get yourself through. And I speak from experience there. Long-time listeners to our radio show and to this podcast will know that I was close personal friends with Phil Hartman and was maybe the last person he ever spoke to before his wife murdered him and killed herself. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we had just had this unbelievable conversation and then the next day I went wake up to all of that. Courtney, I tried to get through that as best I could without any therapy whatsoever. And I think... In the long run, especially, it hurt me so much more than it had to, mm-hmm. where we all like to think that we're strong enough and some of us were intimidated. We don't want to talk about our feelings, especially the boys mm-hmm. of my era were brought up to just kind of walk it off, rub some dirt on it. This is not a situation where you should no. or can do that.
1: I think it's very normal and natural for people to say, I can handle this. I got this. And a lot of times what they do is suppress their feelings and they suppress how they're feeling with this trauma. I mean, I was watching TV and people were talking, just to go back with the festival, people were talking about how they were doing CPR on people and people were passing away. They were talking about how they were trying to get out of the crowd. There was so much trauma going on and they're sitting there on TV talking about this and all I could think of was they need support right now because they're traumatized and they're trying to deal with all this and wrap their head around it and they're probably going to have survivor's guilt as well.
0: Well, you mentioned layers here and this speaks to another layer. Never mind if you're somebody who lost somebody in all Mm -hmm. Of that if you just bore witness to it right even if you didn't lose a loved one those images can haunt mm-hmm. you for the rest of your life
1: absolutely and my heart goes out to all of them and also all of the things that you've been through with this because like you said everything seemed to be just fine and you had a great conversation with a friend and then all of a sudden this tragedy happens and it's so difficult for us to wrap our minds around it we may never understand the whys and it's not for us to have to understand the whys sometimes that's part of therapy is realizing that this is part of life that we go through these pains, but to understand that we're not alone and that there's a lot of resources and help out there that can be comforting. And also to know that whatever you're feeling is okay. And we say this all the time, but sometimes people know this intellectually they'll tell other people, Oh, it's okay. Everything that you feel, but in their heart, they don't get the fact that it's okay for them to be feeling all of these layers of the anger and depression and all of these things. We expect ourselves to just be able to, okay, that's it, I can deal with this and just keep on going. But like I said, what often happens is people distract themselves to the point where they are pushing those emotions down and they will come up and they will get worse actually if
0: you don't deal with them there's nothing more healthy than admitting that you're flawed and mm-hmm. that you're not perfect and that you do need help there can be freedom in that right I think Just so like I, surrender and say okay I need help and somebody like me social anxiety I'm so afraid to ask for help mm-hmm. I could be in a department store and I can't find something and the last thing I'm going to do is ask for help so right. if I'm dealing with it on that you can only imagine when it came to the Phil Hartman situation yeah. how I felt about me talking about my deepest and darkest feelings mm-hmm. and maybe discovering some other things about my that I didn't want to hear. But even though I eventually did get the help, I'm not gonna say to not do it. You absolutely must, but it's not a fail-safe. And when I say that, I say it to say this, that even though I have done a lot of work and I'm way better off than I ever was, that's not to say that I don't periodically still go down that very dark Mm -hmm. rabbit hole. As a matter of fact, just last night, I was clearing out the DVR. There's my OCD in play, trying to get rid of some old stuff. And I happened to find an episode of 2020 within which I participated about Phil Hartman and about that whole situation Mm -hmm. and I found myself starting to watch it. And then as I was watching it, I started going back to that day, I started getting upset, but then it wasn't enough, Courtney. Then I started looking at coverage of my mom's passing because I'm a local media personality Mm -hmm. from COVID and I did a number of appearances on shows for that. The next thing I know, I've spent hours on this Mm -hmm. and in some ways it's therapeutic and it's good to deal with it and meet it head on but in other ways too you regress a little bit mm-hmm. you get taken back to that moment and that's why it is just so important to get help because nothing is going to cure you 100% right, right. but it's better to be 85% cured mm-hmm. than 0% cured
1: exactly and to learn some education around it and to know like anything you feel is okay and also for that to happen is okay mm-hmm. you know sometimes we do need to go down that for a little while and it can be, like you said, therapeutic, but it's also good to have your bearings, to be able to get yourself grounded and get yourself back into the here and now, but to also have those moments where you're kind of paying tribute and you're going back and you're reliving some of that. Some of those wounds are getting opened up again. So it is important when you feel like that keeps happening to get some support around that. I did want to mention grief.com, great website, just went on it the other day, has such great resources for people. So if there's people that are struggling out there with grief or they know other people who are, David Kessler, who is world renowned in the field of grieving and loss, it's his website. He also wrote a book that goes along with the five stages of grief. He wrote one on the sixth stage of grief, which is finding meaning. And I think that's the thing, too, that therapy can help people with. Like I said, we'll never know the whys on a lot of this as to why these tragedies happen. Why do we lose people like this? And why is it so traumatic? But we can find some meaning from things and we can figure out how to go forward and try to live with some of this pain and also to know that it's okay and that you're not alone in this.
0: Incidentally, Kessler, the original name of the Kramer character on Seinfeld. Really? And then they changed it to Little Kramer fun based on Kenny Kramer, who was Larry David's uh-huh. neighbor. Oh. So going down a different rabbit hole here with the TV. <laughs> I do want to say about that sixth stage, in a bizarre way, I feel like I have reached that recently off of the passing, Mm -hmm. of Brendan's dad. Now, Brendan is one of my absolute best friends in the world. And as soon as I found out that that had happened, and I've had many deep conversations with him Mm -hmm. about my own mom, and I knew what he was going through, and I knew that I was somebody that he wanted to hear from. And he's not somebody who likes to talk about feelings or do that sort of thing. But I think because he knew I had been there, he could gain some kind of benefit from it. So we had some dialogue back and forth. And not only did... I find it to be helpful for him, even though he's still a mess and understandably, I found it to be helpful for me. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but I had to tell him too that in going to his dad's funeral, it helped bring some closure to my mom's Mm -hmm. because this send off for his dad is one of the most phenomenal I have ever witnessed in my entire life. When I tell you it was wall to wall, and when I tell you this was a beloved member of the community, he was a teacher, he was a principal, he was the music director at the church, Mm -hmm. there were like 11 priests there, there were people from every walk of life, and it was a celebration, and Brendan is a very funny guy, and Brendan got to go up there at the end and just nail a 10-minute tribute to his dad that was both parts emotional, hysterically, funny, and I just found myself feeling so happy for him Mm -hmm. and seeing him enjoy that moment and thinking to myself and telling him later, not only am I unbelievably proud of you, the entire congregation was, but no one was more proud than your dad in that moment for what you did. And he even said in the middle of it, I'm so glad that I did this, and I'm so glad that he did. Now, comparatively to my mom's funeral, she passed of covid The church was basically empty because we couldn't have many people or the people who did come, God bless them, we appreciated it, but many were reluctant to and I couldn't blame them. And the mass was everything that the one that I just described wasn't it was cold it was impersonal Mm -hmm. the priest did not know my mom I asked to speak I was forbidden and that has continued to haunt me to this day is that I don't feel like my mom got the proper goodbye Mm -hmm. but to be able to see it done so right it did my heart good good. and it also told me that hey if my mom's had happened at a different time maybe it all would have been different. And I had fights with my dad about it. It just caused so many problems. And like I said, Courtney, in spite of all of the therapy that I've had, I'm a work in progress. We all are. Mm -hmm. And I'm still trying to become better every single day. And when you run into something like this, there is nothing that you can do that's going to totally fix it. It's something that is an evolution and you are going to take with yourself, hopefully, healthily Mm -hmm. to the finish line. But without therapy, it becomes next to impossible to be able to accomplish that on any level. And
1: I love that story. And you told me that earlier. And I love that because I have to always give you credit. You are always so grateful and thankful for what other people are able to do and create. You don't have that jealousy thing that people have.
0: (laughs) I was thrilled. You were so happy for him. Nothing that I respect more than talent. And I think part of that is I've become secure in who I am. I am, mm-hmm. my positives, my negatives, my limitations, and I shouldn't feel threatened by other right. people who are maybe better at something than I am. I have friends who are comedians where I'm like, I'm never going to be that good, but that just makes me appreciate what they do mm-hmm. that much more. But then I can also say, well, I do this better than that person, right. but it's not in a competitive way. Right. It's just, we're all different people. Mm-hmm. No two snowflakes are alike, as they say. <laughs> snowflakes? But But that doesn't mean that they can all work together to do the same thing. Cancel school, (laughs) which is ideal.
1: (laughs) But it's so true. Like, I always think about that. I'm like, wow, that is so inspiring. And also you telling that story, it's inspiring. And you found meaning, like Mm -hmm. you said, and you felt so good for him
0: that he was able to do this. And it makes him feel good Mm -hmm. to know that it also helped me. And in turn, that does help him in some way, just like me talking about my situation with him. Mm -hmm. makes him feel better. He can probably say to himself, well, thank God I didn't have to go through the funeral experience that Brian did. And that's Mm -hmm. okay. That's fine with me. For me to be able to share that with him, to be able to appreciate what he just went through more, I mean, that is the ultimate definition of love and respect for another human being.
1: And that's the thing. We never want to lose the people we lose. We don't want to go through these tragedies. However, if we can find some of those pieces, like you said, that connection with each other, Mm -hmm. you can acknowledge him, you feel good about what he was able to do, that is such a beautiful thing i think that's ultimately what can
0: give us some comfort and give us some peace now here's where it gets more difficult his dad was 70 mm-hmm. and to you and i now that's young right it wasn't maybe 20 30 mm-hmm. years ago you talk about these families who lost a fourteen year old son or somebody in their early twenties, mm-hmm. that's a different ball game. It's a lot more difficult to try to wrap your head around it, to justify it in any way, mm-hmm. to not feel like somehow you've been slighted or robbed of something. That's where your work must become unbelievably difficult.
1: It is so difficult. And I had a mom that was struggling came in and I think the child was an adult, but still very young, 20, early 20s. And there's a lot of loss in what we do as therapists and we help people to cope. But it was heartbreaking and her wanting to know when is this pain going to end? What's the timetable on this? And it's so difficult because the timetable is different for everyone. I mean, yes, we can say there's early grief. Acute grief can happen about for like a month, up to six months. And then there's early grief, which can happen up to two years. And then there's mature grief after that. And people don't want to hear that. They want to hear they're going to feel better very shortly. And the thing is, it's in these little waves. And also, it's just very small, incremental connecting with other people going to support groups. That was something that we connected her to, more support groups and also books, other people who had lost kids. So we have a lot of people, maybe there's somebody that you lost from overdose or suicide, car accidents, things like that. There was someone who lost someone over psychosis. They did something to hurt themselves when they were not in a good state of mind in uh, mental health issues. All of these things, very tragic. And like you said, losing a child is probably the top most traumatic thing oh,
0: there can't be anything uh, worse. people to
1: lose. So, and it's hard as a therapist, you're also having to sit and hold this space with them being in so much pain. And I remember one time there was someone who was talking about this loss that they had of their grandmother and I was sitting there and I was feeling okay and then all of a sudden I started getting strong memories of one of my grandmothers that I had lost. I lost her when I was 18 or 19 and we were so close she was like a second mother to me and all of a sudden these memories rushed to me and I remember being like okay I need to hold this space but my eyes filled up with tears and all of a sudden I just I had this weird moment of feeling what she was feeling, and I was in that. I had to allow that to pass and hold the space for her, but later on, I had to kind of deal with that. And as therapists, that's the other side. We do have to go to seek some support from other people sometimes when it stirs up stuff from us. We are human as well. So it's important if people are helping other people out there to realize, and I had said this to you too, when you're helping someone who has just suffered a loss, take care of yourself as well, because that may trigger some of those feelings of your recent loss.
0: Well, along those lines, a professional question, which hopefully and probably will humanize you some more. Now, you mentioned having lost a grandmother at a young age, but I will say big picture in some ways in this area, you've been very lucky. You did just lose another grandmother who made it past the century mark. Mm -hmm. You still have both of your parents as you're sitting there with these other people who have had these unbelievably traumatic experiences Mm -hmm. that you have not experienced yourself. First of all, what is that like for you? And second of all, do you find yourself as a human being saying, oh my God, what am I going to do when that day finally mm-hmm. does come with this person, with that person? How right. am I going to handle it? Am I going to be able to take my own advice? Mm-hmm. Does that make you more sympathetic, empathetic, or does it start to freak you out on some level?
1: Yeah, I definitely try not to go down that road, but you're human. So, of course, right. sometimes after the session, you kind of think like, oh, my gosh, how would that be? Especially when people are talking about sudden loss of a spouse or sudden loss of a sibling or a parent, and you start to think about that that. I know for me, it just deepens my empathy for them. And I really try to express to them, I don't want to sit there and say, oh, I know how you feel. Yes, we've all had losses. But some of these losses are so traumatic that I will not say, no, I know how you feel. I will hold a space for them to have that empathy. But also, there was an interesting thing about when people are expressing in a human way how they feel about something, you don't want to give them a spiritual answer. So like if people are saying, oh my gosh, it really sucks that I don't have this person in my life to sit here and have dinner with or to do things with, you don't want to answer with a, well, they may be better off where they are now or something like that, because that's not where the person is at. I mean, it can be not very helpful. And so you really want to be in that space and say, yeah, it does suck. That's heartbreaking. That must be so awful for you. And sometimes when you go to that space, just like we do in therapy, when you go to the space with somebody and they feel heard and feel seen, then they will naturally go into the other space of maybe the person was having issues and stuff like that. And they may start to see things in a different way from a spiritual place. But if they're in that spiritual place, that's one thing to talk in those terms. But it's not helpful if somebody's just looking for empathy and to be heard. So in therapy, it's really important that we stay in that space, even if we're in pain for them. It's a balancing act. And it is painful. To actually sit there and wrap your mind around some of the things that some of my clients have been through with trauma and with loss, it is actually painful for you to hold that space, but you also need to be able to provide them with that safe space so that they can process their feelings.
0: And this is where I've been able to help Brendan, because not only can I relate to the sudden loss of Mm -hmm. Phil Hartman, but I can also relate to the loss of a parent. And while not completely sudden, she got COVID and she Mm -hmm. was gone within a week. So We had a chance to tie up some loose ends Mm -hmm. sloppily, not ideally, but I had a little bit more of a chance than he did. But because I've come from both of those places, there are just so many things that he can ask me questions about. I can relate to him versus, and I think people very often get skeptical when it comes to this. You have friends who get married within the Catholic church, and what you have to do before you get married is go and sit for hours on end with the priest who's going to to give you all kinds of advice about something that he's never done, which is be married. <laughs> and you're like, well, what is making you an expert at this? So if one of your clients has a knowledge mm-hmm. of your personal life, which sometimes if you're with somebody long enough, it becomes inevitable right. because sometimes you relate to them with anecdotes from your own life. Mm-hmm. If there's a little voice inside of you saying, well, she doesn't know what I'm going through right now. Who is she to tell right. me right. what I'm experiencing? And I feel like for you, you have have to be constantly cognizant of that mm-hmm. as well. You have so many plates that are spinning, yeah. and you must be so afraid, and you've had a lot of training, of course, so afraid to say the wrong thing.
1: Right, and sometimes you are, and sometimes you just say, I am so sorry, I don't know what to say. Right. I just want to hold the space for you, and you might say that, like, my heart is breaking. Let's just hold the space and just be there. I think that's what really matters to people. I work a lot with people with substance abuse issues, with all sorts of things that maybe I haven't personally gone through to that degree, but there's other things that I can relate to on certain levels, but I don't try to pretend. What I do is try to understand. I do my research on things. I ask people, I talk to my clients, oh, how does this feel I want to know the experience. And so I'm not one to just, oh, this is what you need to do. I want to point you in the right direction for resources and that kind of thing. But it's really about being in the space with them and helping them to get some understanding about what they're feeling, not for me to tell them what they should be feeling.
0: Well, here's where it's a double pronged positive. In some ways, you are saying to them educate me mm-hmm. because you do want to know more about what they're going through yeah. both to help them and maybe on a personal level to some degree mm-hmm. and the way that that helps them is it gets them talking yeah. and in some ways it takes the heat off of them because it's like oh I'm going to let her know what this feels like mm-hmm. versus you're very conscious of I'm revealing my deepest and darkest right. feelings No, yeah. it becomes more of a conversation mm-hmm. which we talk about this all the time and that's what you try to do on the radio. You don't want to make it sound like you're on the radio. You Mm -hmm. want to make it sound like you're just having a conversation because if it sounds too candid, too phony, people are going to tune it out. Mm -hmm. But if you're having a real discussion, that's where you get their attention and that's where it's most productive.
1: And the thing is too, you just remind me of something. When clients have gone through certain things or maybe it could be like I said with the substance abuse or if they go through mental health issues and they're coming out the other side of things and they're functioning better or they've gone through loss, I recognize that the most powerful teachers can be the ones who have gone through things. Now, as a therapist, I don't have to go through everything that my clients have gone through in order to help them. However, you better not, <laughs> right? And however, I feel that it really does help, and I tell this to my clients all the time. If they're wanting to help and volunteer and do something or work with people, that will mean so much more because the people they're working with, they'll know. Okay, I walked the walk. I'm talking the talk, but I walked the walk. So I encourage them. That is another way to find meaning: is to be able to utilize that and say, okay, how. How can I help other people through their time? Once they've healed and they're in a place where they can do this, and a lot of them do, they will volunteer for things. They will do different activities and events because it will help them. Just like if people are involved with NAMI, which is such an amazing organization, and they have peers, they have people who will go and they will run meetings with other people who are dealing with mental health issues. And so they're helping, but they've also been through it. So it's really powerful. And I think that that's another way that you can find meaning from things that are unfair that have happened to us, things that have caused caused us lots of pain. It's really important that we wouldn't wish that we have it. We're not saying we have it over not having it, but it is what we're dealing with. And so how do we actually help to end some suffering for other people and maybe make things better for others,
0: too? And to speak to that, too, there was somebody whose life, through my own counseling, I eventually saved. She was a heroin addict. Mm-hmm. She was at death's door. She eventually turned her life around. And now, because of that, and she has so much appreciation for it, She's. Been become a counselor. She went to school that's afterwards. That's amazing, Brian. Yeah. And it is. It's very satisfying yeah. to see that. And not only that, but my wife, who has worked in nonprofit, you see this so many times. People who have some of the worst illnesses mm-hmm. that you can ever imagine and they just see the remarkable work that other people are doing yeah. to help them feel better, that when it's all said and done and especially the youngsters, they mm-hmm. say that's what I'm going to do yeah. with my life. And I don't know if you caught this because I know you didn't see the entire CMA Awards the other night, but there was this segment involving an amputee this girl who was very very young Mm -hmm. and I believe it was Dickerson who was involved with this did you see this Chevy sponsored the whole thing they had got her a truck and then they brought her to the CMAs she was on the red carpet with him and then he brought her up on stage and he asked her what do you want to do with your life and she said that she wanted to become a teacher she wanted to impart wisdom Mm. on other people to get people through things like that and that's the best way to to kind of come out the other side, yeah. to feel so good about the experience that you say, I'm not just gonna make this about me, mm-hmm. I'm gonna make this about other people. And in me reaching out to help that girl, right. that all started because I had a discussion about depression on the radio. And I wanted to help people because I had others who helped me. There's no better way to feel better about what you've gone through, these horrible experiences, mm-hmm. than to be able to ultimately pay it forward.
1: And We actually call it something, post-traumatic growth. People often have the post-traumatic syndrome. But the thing is, once we get through things, we can start to look at the world a little differently. We change relationships. We relate to the world differently. And a lot of times there can be some positive changes and we can see things where we would want to help. And the fact that we've gone through it makes us stronger. And so with that growth, that can be something that comes out of it. Again, this can take a while and it doesn't have to have these huge, big, meaningful things. It can be small things that come into our, life, but being open to that. And that's why I really want to encourage people not to isolate, not to shut down, not to ignore the help of others, because there's a lot of support out there. Hospice has a lot of support groups for people that are grieving. There's a ton of support online. Like I said, grief.com is great. And that site can help people to figure out how to talk to people about their grief too. So if you're struggling with someone who has had a loss and you don't know how to help them, that site can help as well. But I think that's why it's so important to know that this is kind of the human condition. A lot of this can happen, and so we need each other in this. Even if we
0: want to isolate and run
1: away, no, we need the help of
0: others. So I think at the end of the day, it's a process. Mm-hmm. It, there's no one-size-fits-all. Right. There's no cure-all. Mm-hmm. There's nothing no. that's going to make everything perfectly fine. but. It takes a village, as they say, not only to raise a child, but to keep us all mentally healthy.
1: And doing a lot of reading and checking in with different people, this can help you to know that, okay, there's a lot of things that are normal about what I'm feeling. And one thing I have to mention, because this is just a bugaboo for me. So there's the five stages of grieving. And so they often talk about it. It's bargaining, it's anger, it's depression, it's acceptance, and it's denial. They talk about this all the time. Sometimes people conceptualize it like it's an actual stage. Like you're going to go through one, then you'll go neatly to the other. And I have that one the in the rear view. Now I can and move on and forget about this. This is what drives me crazy. They do this on TV and on movies. I was just watching a movie the other day, very good movie, but he was talking about grief and he said to her, oh, well, what's going on with your grief? Where are you at? And she said something like, I'm depressed. He goes, oh, watch out. You're going to be angry next. No, that's not how it works. It drives me crazy. And it doesn't always necessarily
0: go in that order <laughs> no, either.
1: Exactly. And not everybody gets all of them. Right. So that's one of those things. And there was a training that I was in and they were talking about this and I I said, yes, that drives me crazy because they said even a lot of therapists perpetuate this, that there's these stages and we start with one and we go through the other. No, it's all mixed up. And that's what I try to tell my clients. One minute you could be accepting this. Another minute you're angry. Another minute you're depressed. All of these things can go on and they can go on quickly. You can cycle through it quickly. So I just want people to know that that's okay and that's normal, even if you're only feeling a couple of the things. But learning about it is the key because that helps you to feel validated and seen and being like, okay, this is why. I feel like this and this is okay.
0: At the gym, you're not going to get muscles if you don't lift the weights. Right. And from a mental health perspective, if you're not going to put that work in, Mm -hmm. you're not going to get the muscles that you need to muscle your way through that whole situation. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. yeah. exactly. Courtney, if people want to get in touch with you about anything else, how can they do so?
1: Wellness at Wctk.com. Feel free to send me an email. I can give you some more resources if you need them. Also, we have resources up on our wellness 411 page, catcountry.com. We're putting the podcast up there so people can listen up to that and
0: also we have lots of resources. Socials at Cat Country Mornings, personal pages, Courtney with the C, Kelly EY or Courtney Kelly Bedard I, Brian with an I, Mulhern H-E-R-N and then of course too, you hear us on things like Spotify, Apple Podcasts your smart devices. We love you listening to it but mm-hmm. we love it more if you would tell other people about it. Spread the word! Definitely spread that <laughs> word and spread your wings from a mental health perspective. <laughs> Courtney, thank you so much thank very, you. very productive session and thank 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 you all for listening. We'll catch you next time. Coping on the couch with Courtney and Brian.